Welcome to this week's Hotel Analyst podcast, where we return, as usual, to give you a weekly roundup of all that's important in and around the hotel investment space. Uh, my name is Chris Bound, the editor at Hotel Analyst, and I'm joined, as usual, by Andrew Sankster, the editorial director of Hotel Analyst. And we find ourselves once more entering results season. Uh, it's the second quarter results from a lot of the big hotel uh, lodging and accommodation groups. Uh, this week we're going to take you around Europe and we're going to start in France by uh, having a quick talk about uh, the results from Accor. Uh, like most of the other hotel groups they have seen business come bouncing back fairly strongly. They are now at or about the level of where they were at the same point three years ago in uh, 2019 although they've got probably a little bit higher room rates and a little bit lower occupancy than uh, directly compa- comparing to that that stage back in 2019. Uh, being Accor of course they always excite us with something a little different and just as we were coming up to uh, waiting for their uh, results to come out they announced a major restructure of the group. They're now going to uh, put themselves into two divisions Um, One is uh, luxury and lifestyle, and the other one is economy, mid-scale and premium. Uh, The idea is that luxury and lifestyle will focus on brand and experience, whereas the uh, more lowly brands will be run in a much more process-driven organization, focusing on efficiency and all those other good things that will help drive uh, improved margins. So uh, great news, great excitement. I think we're going to find out more about that, how it all kind of works out from October when the uh, restructure is going to be in place. Uh, But it certainly gives an opportunity for Sebastian Bazin to continue his transformation of the uh, French-based group, uh, which, let's face it, has been changed quite a bit over the last few years. Yes, yeah, interesting that transformation journey. Um, mm. The uh, how much of it is a coherent straight line, and how much of it is sort of zigzagging all over the place, <laughs> is, is is the question you would ask about Accor. And I think one of the reasons they're getting so beaten up on their share price relative to the other global hotel brand major. Um, companies is that they the perception is that they have zigzagged all over the place and haven't don't have a particularly clear strategy Uh, sebastian bazan made a good fist of trying to convince um people that yes this is all part of a you know a straight line transition Mm. for accor but it's hard to see how you know there were uh, times in the last five years or so where he's sort of dressed up as Steve Jobs with black polar necks and bare feet um, <laughs> I, you know it, it's not really part of what he's doing now so that that really is just a bit of a, a tangential move and this stuff we've seen when, in terms of the tech has been that digital bit has been a bit tangential and some of the experience bits have been a bit tangential um, Accor local and all that kind of stuff as well so I, I I think that has been there's has led to a whole array of skepticism around the company I think um, and to me I mean I use the analogy in my write-up of this in the print um, the online uh, version of hotel analyst um, 
where I talk about how Akur is some sort of like the nerd at school. Um, she wants to be cool and groovy and hang out with the cool kids. Uh, keeps trying all sorts of different things in sport and music. Um, the reality is she's just fantastic at maths, and what she ought to stick to is her maths. And Akur is a bit like this, and what it's fantastic at is its Ibis and its Novotel. It is, you know, it has there the means to dominate Europe. And really, I think if it had been focused on simply dominating Europe with that, it would have done a lot better instead of all these other bits and bobs. And to an extent, um, you know, I, I do think this this foray into luxury and lifestyle is a similar thing. I don't think it's going to prove quite as negative as, you know, for example, One Fine Stay, which has been written down to zero. Um, it won't be as value destructive for shareholders as that, but I still think it has been something of a management distraction and has not allowed management to focus on that core bit there. Um, you know, stick with the maths, um, stick with the thing that you're really good at, um, and that's where you're going to deliver the most value. And I think actually that the positive thing for me um, about the structuring is that it's going to allow that you're going to have these two divisions one which has uh, ibis novotel they're also sticking in there interestingly um, pullman um, mervyn pick um, and swiss hotel so you've got the they're calling them premium um, up otherwise known as upscale brands um, so you've got that and they're really looking at a franchising business with that a true asset light um, industrialized as they're calling it um, franchise business and that's what Accor historically has built its reputation on you talk to anybody out in the field and they say Accor are the supreme sort of cost control merchants they know how to run hotels and keep the costs low and they you know what they need to be doing is doubling down on that um, and I, I think the positive from the split is you've got one division who can do that and another division the luxury and lifestyle can go do the 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 I was gonna say the fluffier bits but you know, <laughs> it does deliver that value um, but it's an entirely different type of thing um, and split that apart and the thing is uh, Bazan talked during the conference about how it was going to be a um, very very lean um sort of overseeing management structure so he talked about them these being autonomous divisions and you do begin to question well actually apart from ACL live limitless the um loyalty scheme what is there that there's a huge benefit from them being together and i think you know reading what some of the city analysts wrote in their notes i mean everybody's sort of baking in that there is going to be a separation in a year or two um and i'd agree with that i think there is we're going to see um guarav bushan the the you know uh, uh, heading up the ennis more bit but taking over all of the luxury and lifestyle piece and we'll see the current deputy ceo and cfo jean-jacques moran stepping up to be ceo of this this e e economy um mid-scale and premium bit the emp um bit um and then um um bazan departing um as a result of that so that that is kind of where i see things will be in a year or two um as they get going i mean it's very difficult to see where they can 
justify the 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 you know the the need to remain together actually especially given that ACL Live Limitless is so far behind the loyalty schemes of the other global majors and it may or may not have caught up a bit I don't think it's caught up that much um, and uh, you know given that gap that it still has there uh, it you know where's the benefit from this this tie-in with it when you could probably go and join other schemes as well so that's kind of the um, how I see the future but I, I actually think this is super exciting from the point of view of Ackle will finally you know double down the class nerd is you know <laughs> finding her calling and realizing that maths and as we all know um you know as you and i chris have decided to do journalism which was a you know we'd, we'd been much better off doing <laughs> doing accounting right. our bank balances would be a, a lot healthier had we decided when we left school to go and pursue accounting or other mathematical type things um, um and i think this is true for for Accor too now it's finding its calling it's going to double down on this um EMP is um, the 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 um, economy mid-scale and premium piece and Ibis and Novatel will come into their own and you know Ibis is twice the size of any of its nearest brand rival which is Holiday Inn Express in Europe and it can really it ought to be able to make hay right now uh, coming in there and offering that support that branded um, deliverable with a very cost conscious uh, either management or certainly you know a very economical way of of a lean and mean way it runs its uh, um, the back end so I, th I think it, it's super positive if if they can just focus on that and deliver that and this structure I think enables that to take place so I, I I'm positive record coming out of this um into 2023 um and i think they can finally get going um and i think i think the question will be how they end up splitting it apart um but that's a catalyst for a bit of value creation i think mm -hmm. absolutely now we're heading north from paris to uh, scandinavia next to uh, talk about the results out from uh, scandinavian landlord pandox and uh, the operator scandic uh, who both remarked on how sharp the rebound of business has been uh, in in their region and more broadly for Pandox uh, across other European markets where they own hotels as well um, and uh, both delighted by the results and I think Scandic more than most because uh, Scandic being a largely a, a operator of leasehold hotels had all sorts of problems during the pandemic was engaged with its back serious against the wall in negotiations with landlords for a bit of forbearance um, trying to get what they could in terms of money in to help keep keep the thing running but uh, having slimmed right down they're now running more hotel rooms with less people uh, which means they're actually they have they're, they're making more profits than they ever have um, so long may it continue um, more more broadly across Europe um, Pandox uh, could certainly see things recovering uh, I think the UK and uh, Nordics are kind of the leading markets but they can certainly see uh, traction building once more in other markets where they've got a lot of hotels such as uh, Germany um, very little in the way of uh, distress from uh, their their tenants their their operators uh, all seems to be running quite well and um, Scandic and and Pandox who have a relationship over quite a lot of hotels together have recently in fact done a deal where Scandic lengthened the uh, the leases it already had with Pandox and in return the pair have agreed a uh, some some upgrades and up, up refurbishments on on a, a package of, of hotels uh, the, the two operate uh, together so um, all looking good 
Um, but say what's particularly remarkable is how much stronger um, Scandic is looking. Um, at a certain point in the pandemic, they look very, very doubtful. I couldn't agree more. Two years ago, everybody had earmarked Scandic as one of the high-profile casualties of COVID, um, the, the restrictions around COVID. Um, and, you know, they have confounded those expectations and came roaring back. Now, part of that is because there was government help out there mm -hmm. and they've benefited a little bit from that. They've also, you know, there's been some financial re-engineering um, so they've had this uh, convertible loan which they approved in April 21 and that's going to dilute the shareholders by nearly 18% um, on maturity in October 2024 so there's clear pain there um, you know this remember just how bad this was this is five times worse than any previous downturn our sector has ever seen and yet here we have a least uh, hotel group which has come out and as you say Chris is looking remarkably robust going forward now and it survived and I think for me the key thing that has enabled this survival has been the understanding of landlords now Pandox is um, Scandic's biggest landlord um, and um, Scandic is uh, Pandox's biggest tenant um, and you know I, I think this simple biotic relationship between landlord and tenant has come through here you reference the extension of leases so this this 15 hotels pandox owned hotels have had those leases extended but more than that they've they're, they're also investing uh, 700 million uh, swedish krona in uh, a renovation program in these properties um in, primarily updating stuff like uh, the ventilation and heating um, to to improve environmental standards but also giving them a whole a whole lick of paint and it's this understanding between landlord and tenant of the need to come in there and maintain the assets and and run it effectively and efficiently and that that's really come through um, in terms of how Scandic has come out of this this hugely challenging period we've been through and you know, far from collapsing as you know you know frankly we wrote articles sort of indicating that Scandic was you know the chain most likely to to, to face um, some sort of major restructuring event um, they've come out of this remarkably okay and I think uh, um, you, you um, referenced Chris mm -hmm. how Pandic said there was very limited amounts of distress at the moment I think that's right mm. Um, at the end we're talking about where you've got relatively sophisticated owners uh, sophisticated landlords and sophisticated operators who are working together um, to reach mutually beneficial solutions to this crisis and they've done that I think where we will see this distress as we're seeing these interest rates rise is going to be at the the lower end of the marketplace where you've got mom and pops which aren't branded the smaller hotels they're going to come to grief um, and we're going to see a lot more of that I think in the next uh, a year two years or so um, I think it's going to be quite a difficult period where um, these smaller um, businesses will realize actually they're just working for the benefit of the the banks that are funding them and you know what the heck what why bother why don't we go and do something else that will come to pass and there will be changes in ownership as a result of that but for these bigger changes bigger corporates uh, clearly they're coming through um, if anything much stronger now and the ties and relationships between the the landlord and the tenant um, have strengthened and this will enable 
uh, a stronger growth uh, pattern uh, going forward um, so ironically out of the distress has come quite a few positives and now we're heading uh, from Scandinavia down south to Spain to have a look at the results just out from the Spanish uh, groups Melia and NH um, where in actual fact they're doing even better probably than the Scandinavians um, NH has just said that its second quarter performance was its best ever um, with uh, with great profits and uh, Melia likewise is uh, reporting a very very strong performance they're seeing uh, obviously people can jump on planes now and go to the mid so they're seeing a bumper performance from the leisure sector in all of their hotels uh, around the coast but also interestingly they're seeing places like Barcelona Madrid Seville they're seeing uh, quite a strong rebound in um, uh, corporate business at their hotels there as well um, so uh, great stuff they're all coming back well uh, one of the interesting things about um, Melia is that they've during the downturn they, they were quite uh, focused on improving the efficiency of the distribution they're doing, getting a lot more direct bookings which of course is feeding through to uh, uh, greater greater profits um, and uh, all seems set fairly well for the rest of the year they both say they're equally optimistic that things aren't going to tail off uh, once the uh, leisure customers perhaps retreat a bit into the autumn they'll they're going to see a, a continuing flow through they believe from business yeah um, and again this is all about confounding expectations so we've been among the most bullish um certainly uh we're sort of on the announcement of vaccines probably a little bit um early in terms of our how quickly things would come back to normal but we've been very bullish um our house view at hotel analyst has been very positive in terms of the pace and nature of the recovery um and even that bullish position we have has been um you know surprised on the upside um it, it's it's almost breathtaking actually the, the the level of bounce back we've had i mean as an example if you um you know and just just a, a further point here is you know we certainly saw you know one of the narratives we've had is northern europe very strong thanks to the staycation market which you know if you've got say in the uk where in very round numbers 50 million coming in and 90 million going out each year um, clearly if you've got real friction at the borders and um, most of that 90 million are, are a good portion of 90 million are going to be staying in in the country your expectation is for bumper periods and we've certainly seen that um, at going back to our previous uh, story we we're talking about in terms of Pandox Pandox had STR doing a presentation alongside their numbers and it was notable for example that Bournemouth was top of the rate charts in the, in that mm. uh, in that uh, uh, presentation from SDR. I don't think I ever recall seeing Bournemouth <laughs> flying quite so high. Um, it just shows the strength of the staycation market. But you'd anticipate, therefore, that Southern Europe would be suffering. But again, it's been confounded, and remarkably, what we're seeing is a rediscovery of of the Southern European domestic demand market. Um, and then um, our last podcast, we talked about uh, Tui, um, and we talked about how they were looking at Italy and Spain in terms of the outbound market for Italy and Spain. Um, that's been sort of discovered, if you like, during COVID, and in, and you know, post COVID, the post COVID, the post COVID restrictions. Um, 
marketplace and we're, we're seeing that now coming through so just as a sort of data point um, Q2 NH they are 3% in RevPAR terms above where they were in Q2 2019 now you know I just would never have forecast that even you know my most bullish period i'd never have forecast that we'd be talking about that i mean that's quite a remarkable result really uh three percent higher than in q2 2019 it just shows the strength of of the of this recovery as we're getting back and if you listen to um you know what Melia are saying and just to quote them the third quarter should confirm the recovery and in many cases will generate results above pre-pandemic levels I mean how amazing is that it's anticipating record rates um, so we've got this you know we've got this huge tailwinds super strong tailwinds coming and this remember is we are still nowhere near back to normality yet we still haven't got international travel and um, back to to where it was I mean just look at the chaos on our airports that's going to take months you know best part of six maybe even a year before that's fully sorted out I suspect um, and that's still to come that, that positive tailwind is still to come we've still got that um, and if you look at going back to Pandox's presentation again they in terms of the stages of recovery what they talk about is stage four and stage five um, is events coming back in stage four and that's coupled with international travel and they're clearly coming in now all the groups are talking about that um, and then there's group travel to come back and that's still to happen so we've still got these fantastic tower winds waiting to kick in um, and um, just you know just to look at that international travel piece um, the latest numbers from the World Tourism Organization um, the January to May period globally that's down 54% on where it was in 2019 looking at Europe alone international arrivals are down 36% so as those arrivals and there's absolutely no reason why those arrivals won't come back to where they were and beyond um, you know in the next year or so um, we've still got all of that to come through and that actually is a huge positive and i think we will continue to confound expectations despite very difficult headwinds which you're about to talk <laughs> about i think chris in terms of the no star and yes five let's star. turn to those awards so uh we're giving five stars for well this this bumper round of results which uh, you know as you say has confounded most expectations yeah so i mean the bellwether of course is is marriott um the world's biggest hotel company um so i mean it's just a phenomenal 70 percent jump in their second quarter revenue um it, it, it's just astonishing how strong they they are i mean occupancy is still lagging but room rates are shooting up so occupancy is 70 uh, seven percentage points below pre pre-pandemic levels um but uh, um, daily rates are 7% above where they were in 2019. So this is a fantastic rate-led recovery we have going on here. Um, and it just looks set to continue into Q3, into Q4 and into 2023. Uh, but while the hotel CEOs are terribly excited and positive about the future, in the blue corner we have a whole bunch of economists worrying about other gloomy economic items. 
yeah yeah and it just continues the economic outlook is just getting i mean we talked to the last podcast about winter is coming and really more and more um it, it looks very negative for the broader economy um no question in my mind that our tailwinds in our sector is going to outweigh the headwinds of the broader economy but you have to acknowledge just how difficult it's going to get in this this broader economy so um, the NIESR the National Institute for Economic and Social Research um, they put out their economic outlook this week and they're saying the UK is going to enter recession in Q3 and remain there until the first quarter of 2023 so they're talking about growth um three and a half percent for the all of 2022 thanks to the strong growth in the first half um and then just half a percentage point of growth um in terms of gdp next year now pretty negative but clearly there's a big disconnect between gdp and where we are in terms of the um um, overall um, hospitality situation i mean the similar things in um, in late july um, the international monetary fund came out with their world economic outlook update and they said similarly the uk was on uh, half a percent for for next year and they had a, a wholesale downgrade uh, downgrade um, significantly worse actually um, for you know the rest of uh, europe than it was for the uk and they're now uh, projecting the euro area on 1.2 percent growth next year um, stronger than the uk but the uk is having a much faster rebound uh this year so it, you know it, it's you either have it this year or next year kind of thing in terms of that that bounce back piece but the economy is certainly looking uh decidedly wobblier than it was even a few months ago i mean the last time the um the the imf altered had put its figures out was back in april i mean there's some very large revision for the for the euro area that you're talking about a 1.3 percentage point downgrade on that growth figure for 2023 so very significant uh, changes in terms of how they see it but i think the good news and um well, there I is think some <laughs> it, it, it comes out yeah there is some actually from from these gloomy forecasts um is that uh, the niesr are saying look by 2023 we're going to see inflation coming back on you know um, under control so they think inflation is going to be back at three percent next year which is good news it's going to peak at 11 percent in the fourth quarter of 2022 um, so this is pretty positive um we're going to see interest rates go up and i think you know that's going to be an interesting period and it's going to drive a huge amount of uh, shift and change in our sector but there is an argument to say actually it's about time we ended this kind of zombie company situation and uh, an uptick in interest rates back to sort of which are levels which are pretty low by historic standards but back to some sense of normality in terms of interest rates so there is actually a, a cost to um, not doing anything with your cash which is necessary to end this sort of ongoing support for the zombie companies um, I think we're going to see that and uh, um, you know in at one level this gloomy news is probably good news in terms of how we can reshape the sector uh, going forward we've had sort of 10 years plus of sitting on our hands we're finally going to get to do stuff now I and think, with that positive forward. thought we'll say goodbye for now <laughs>